0: The League of Women Voters of Dane County and Madison City Channel present
1: Know Your Candidates.
0: Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your moderator, Lynn Klessig. I'd like to introduce the candidates for District 2 of the Madison Common Council, Bridget Maniachi and Sam Stevenson. To start off, you will have three minutes to answer the following question. What is your professional, educational, and civic background that qualifies you for this office, and why are you running? And we'll start with
2: Bridget. Well, um, I'm the incumbent in District Two, so I've been serving as the alder for the past two years. Um, I hold degrees in political science and economics from uh, UW Madison, where I graduated in 2007. Um, I'm running again because uh, I I I love doing this. I'm it's been an active, exciting, uh, you know, at times frustrating. But a fantastic experience these last two years, and I absolutely want to do it again. Um, There's a number of issues that I've been working hard on, um, a lot of pressing issues in District 2 that are going to continue here in the future that I want to continue to work on. There's the houses in James Madison Park that we're in the process of an RFP process on to sell those after a long delay. Um, There's the Don Miller Uh, acquisition that the city just acquired and the future of the capital east district is really the next forty year plan for the city and it's right at the point where things are going to be getting off the ground and I want to be working on those and uh, there's a lot of work um, in my neighborhood I've been I ran two years ago on a platform that said I'm going to focus on improving things in the neighborhood and I've been working very hard to do so Um, in the last two years I've received over uh, $6 million in infrastructure improvements for the neighborhood, and, and there's more to go, and, and I want to continue.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: Sam. Um, yeah, my name is Sam, Sam Stevenson. Um, I'm currently a uh, professional student in the Masters of Public Health program over at the UW. Um, I uh, graduated from the UW in 2009 with a bachelor's in history and political science. I also have an extensive um, science background. Um, in the in the biological sciences as well um, from the UW, and um, I think uh, a little bit more importantly than that is uh, some of the involvement that I've had in the community over the um, over the past. Uh, Past um, you know five or so years, um, I've been an activist uh, working on a number of causes for a number of organizations um, on campus and in the community, working on um, anti-war issues, um, LGBT civil rights issues, immigrants' rights issues, as well as um, a slew of labor issues, um, both uh, that affect like the community and certain contracts that the uh, university has had um, overseas, uh, targeting specifically a uh, sweatshop labor. Um, I've also been a um, court-appointed special advocate for neglected and abused children, um, kind of going out into the community and being an advocate for some of the neediest um, young people um, in Dane County. And um, all of these experiences have kind of come together and uh, given me a, um, a sense of you know, what kind of community I live in, what the community needs, and and, and all the great things that, you know, we have um, in Madison, Um, whether it's, uh, you know, infrastructure resources in terms of, like, the fantastic historical assets that we have in the city, but more importantly than that, it's the people. We have um, a population that is extremely active in its community and uh, that hold, you know, very progressive values and, and, and ideas of where they like to see the city go and what the kind of issues they like to see the city address in terms of social and economic justice as well as equality and um i feel that uh you know the second district needs a representative who is going to be um first and foremost an advocate for people in the neighborhood listening to to what people have to say and really being a conduit um for that um these uh, These interests onto the city council, as well as you know being an organizer for the neighborhoods as well, I mean we have some really fantastic neighborhoods and people um, across the city, especially in the second district that are very very involved in neighborhood affairs as well as kind of like more global issues across the state and in the city and I think it's really important for the representative of the second district on city council to be um, privy to all of those all this dynamic energy that's um, occurring within the community and be able to organize it and channel it into a productive way. And I feel that my um, experience um, as a, a community organizer and as an activist, as well as my academic bra- background makes me um, uh, well apt to be able to, uh, to serve the, uh, the District 2 residents um, to, to the extent that they deserve.
0: Okay, thank you. You will each now have two minutes to answer the other questions. This time we'll start with Sam. Possible cuts in aid to municipalities are looming issues for the city as a whole. How do you think the council should prepare to address it?
1: Um, I think, uh, you know, I mean, we are definitely like entering like a period of um, of of cuts and we are going to have to make some sacrifices that under most circumstances we definitely don't want to to make. Um, I would definitely prioritize city services um, that are um, beneficial to the neediest people in our um, community. I think that that's that's really important but um, going beyond that I think that it's going to be um, equally important in the coming years to try and build up um, a, a, a tax base and a revenue base in the city um, that allows us to you know, sustain those services as well as um, try out some of the uh, the more kind of creative ideas that a lot of people in the community cherish and are, are kind of chomping at the bit to try out. Um, and as Bridget mentioned earlier, I think that um, when it comes to the second district, it's gonna be very important for economic development to occur along the East Washington Corridor. Uh, we have a plan for the Capital East district and um, seeing that it is actually implemented in that we are using all the tools in our toolbox to provide incentives for businesses to come into um, you know, the downtown area and develop along the East Washington Corridor is going to be very, very important for providing jobs and economic development and increasing the revenue base for the city. Um, it's also going to important, be important for uh, some neighborhood concerns in the second district. Um, we have a really kind of like quiet, a very historically oriented, um, uh, you know, set of, of, of neighborhoods um, on in the northeast side of the isthmus, and in order to preserve that, with uh, the need for increased density, we're going to have to be able to develop along the East Washington corridor, so as that we can push that density to the periphery where it's much more appropriate. Um, so it's It's going to be difficult, and we are going to have to make um cuts in certain things in the uh in the near future. I would um definitely if I'm elected, I'm going to try to make sure that those cuts do not affect services that are providing the greatest benefit to um, the neediest people in our in our community. Thank
0: you, Thank you.
2: Bridget sure well the uh, the state legislature has put us in a fun position over the last couple of weeks, we're sort of waiting for the second, the, the next shoe to drop here with the state budget to find out what sort of impact to the tax levy we're going to have. Um, our fear is that it's going to be a zero percent increase, basically meaning that we're going to have to keep things um, as is um, the last couple of years. The taxes on the average home have raised um, about four to five percent each year to maintain services. Um, we're going to have to look hard, especially given what's happening now with employees and collective bargaining we uh... very proudly as the city council marched from city hall to the overture center uh... to go and sign uh... the employee labor contracts for the out uh, the ten outstanding labor unions that we had open um, so at least through twenty twelve all employees are are sort of equal here and we know what the terms are um, it's going to be an incredibly frustrating process because um, th- what's being proposed and at least presuming it passes up at the state legislature it's going to affect us twofold. One um, with um, the levy if, if there's no increase then we're going to be stuck Um, especially because now the city is going to have to be kicking in more for for pensions and benefits. Um, And this is for all employees, even the, um, like the water utility or the other enterprise agencies where, you know, your your utility bill pays for those services. Um, Everybody's going to be affected because they're all part of the same Wisconsin retirement system. So we're going to have to look hard. I mean... IT has developed um, a, a very fantastic program that they're working on rolling out. We're going to have to look very hard at efficiencies. Um, it's highly likely that we're going to have to cut back in our capital, um, you know, our capital improvements, and and really focus on um, what our absolute services are: um, police, fire. I would argue, building inspection. Um, you know those those basic city services, and and it's it's frustrating, especially because Madison we're we're really sort of in a, a field of our own. If you you look across the state, there's not a lot of other cities. I mean, there's nobody else of our size, and the scope of services that the city of Madison provides is sort of above and beyond what a lot of municipalities do. We have um, expansive. Um, Coverage in in human services that many other cities don't get into. Um, we take on at the municipal level what a lot of county governments do, and so we'll have to see. We'll really have to talk with the county to find out if there's things that we just are not in a capacity to to cover. Who's going to you know pick this up? Um, so we'll see. We won't know until the state budget comes out and until what exact window we're in. Um, We'll have to, I mean, we'll really have to look hard. Uh, There's been a lot of um, concern over the past couple weeks about what's happening because we we do see the writing on the wall and it's going to be frustrating. And um, I, I think though that we've got a good group on the council. We don't like having to cut anything we're always looking for ways to make the most with what we have available to us. Um, there's been a lot of private-public partnerships to try to keep level of services up, um, and so we'll have to just kind of see the, you know, the cards that were dealt and, and act accordingly.
0: Okay, thank you.
2: The next question is: What do you
0: think the city should, at a minimum? Prioritize during very lean times, and this time we'll start again with Bridget. Sure. Um,
2: well, you know, going going by agencies, I mean, police, fire. Um, for me, given my district, I think building inspection because that really gets to a lot of that quality of life um, in the city. Um, those are, are major priorities for the city. They, ca- they account, um, police and fire account for a huge portion of the city's budget. Um, you know, it'll, but it'll be a question of whether, you know, we're supposed to have a midtown police, new police district coming online in the next five years. Does that mean that that's going to get pushed out? Um, our response times on the east side for fire, um, an EMS response is not where it should be. We're supposed to be in the next five years bringing out a full new fire station. Does that mean because of what's going to be happening and being sent down at the state level, does that mean that we're going to have to push that out? Um, there's there's real concern about how we're going to move forward here. Do we, do we have to forego some of these long-term, larger capital projects to really just focus on um, the basic city services, um, and do we, you know, do, you know, using both sides of the paper and the copier. I mean, there's a lot, I think, that we're going to have to look at. Um, Madison is incredibly committed to its community, and the city has, for decades, spent a lot of effort and, and resources on social services, which, Given the way the economy is right now, I would also argue is going to be a very high priority here. Um, There's a real need, and there's been an increased need for social services in the past couple years, and I don't see that diminishing in the you know next year or two years. So, so I think police, fire, social social services are going to be um, the main priorities of the city. Okay, thank you, Sam.
1: Yeah, um, I. uh, (coughs) I would agree with Bridget. I think that you know, like some of like the basic services, when it comes to police and fire, are you know we can't allow like those um, those services to languish when it comes to um, budget cuts, and they need to be um, um, funded to an extent that is you know commensurate with the expansion of uh, the city's population. But um, I, I think that like there are some things that we can do to keep the city moving forward, even in times of um, of. Uh, Economic hardship. Um, I think that uh, just taking a point from uh, that Bridget mentioned as well. Um, when it comes to building inspection, I think that you know the city could, um, with you know relatively like little extra funding, provide for more building inspection. And I would really like to see because there's so many renters in this city, um, not just students, but across the board. There are very there. I mean, like the rental population is in the tens of thousands, and it's really important that they the properties that people are renting are, are kept up to code. And right now we have a situation in which um, it's really the onus is on the tenant to go and, you know, they have like a leaky ceiling or something like that and they have to go and petition for you know the help and be directed towards the building inspector and have to like you know pretty much put that all on themselves and I think with relatively little resources the city could take a more proactive role in building inspection making sure the properties are up to code and I mean this has a lot of a lot of benefits um, including increasing property values I think in the long run as well as increasing the uh, the standard of living for tenants and I think that that's that's really really important. Um, when you see like the uh, foreclosure rate in this city um, go up the way it has in recent years I think that it's really important that we do continue to fund um, city services and human services to make sure that like people are not being um, not falling through the cracks at all and I think that, you know, kind of coming off of that, we need to still emphasize uh, affordable housing. We need to make sure that, you know, people are able to to live comfortably in the city. And we also need to to promote uh, job development. These are all things that I think, you know, we can do um, without um, expending, you know, a massive amount of money. It might slow down growth to a certain extent, but I think that for the when it comes to the the quality of living for people living in Madison, well, as we are going through this economic downturn, that that needs to be prioritized as number one. Um, I think we've seen throughout the state and throughout the country an overemphasis on development, development, development. The benefits, you know. Of a very select few um, of of the you know population that are already pretty well to do, and I think um, as Madison we can set an example of really providing you know the best we can for everyone to ensure that everyone's standard of living and their opportunities are not being compromised, even though the economy is doing poorly. There are some sacrifices that might need to be made with that, but I think that um, like uh, a city like this with the sort of um, you know principled perspective that they take towards governance um, is willing to 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 approach that head on.
0: Okay, thank you. The uh, next question, what do you think are the two or three most important issues facing your district that should be addressed by city government and that you intend to work on as an alder? And we'll start with Sam.
1: Okay. Um, yeah there they're, they're... Yeah, there's yeah, th- three, three issues that I can see uh, coming up at the top of the list, um, especially when it comes to District 2, which is, uh, you know, the, the northeast side of the Isthmus. Um, first of all, I would say that uh, transit issues. Um, a lot of people, like, come, you know, zip through and off the Isthmus through the 2nd District on uh, Gorman-Johnson Street. And um, I would be... Uh, I'm I'm a little anxious to try out the idea and work with, um, you know, um, city staff and the traffic department to find a way that we might be able to try out a two way reversion of both of those streets. I think it would be really good for the standard of living of people in the second district as well as good for businesses on East Johnson Street. Now, it's a very complicated issue and it's not something that you can just flip the switch and expect to like happen and and not have any sort of like serious ramifications for traffic through the isthmus. But I think that it needs, we need to do that with one hand and then improve. um, public transit um, with the other. We need to make public transit extremely attractive to people so is that we can lower the amount of vehicular traffic and single occupancy traffic um, through the isthmus. I think that you know this is going to happen eventually and we might as well take a proactive role and try to look for creative um, efficient ways to do it right now. So transit in general I think is an issue that um, is of real priority in the district. We need to make um, pedestrian, we need to emphasize pedestrian and bicycle traffic and find better ways to facilitate that throughout the district. Second of all I think that um, you know in the next two years and and, and going beyond that, it's going to be really important that we develop uh, along the East Washington Corridor for some reasons that I already mentioned. Um, The purchase of the Don Miller lot, uh, I think, was a really great step forward, but we need to be able to um, provide incentives for businesses to relocate there or to start businesses there and to develop residential and commercial properties along the East Washington Corridor. Right now, it's not um, living up to its potential, and um, I think that there's, there's a there still is a lot of potential, it's just gonna take a little extra um, effort on the part of the city council to, to really make sure that the uh, East Washington Corridor is, um, is, is living up to its promise. Uh, the third thing that I think is important for district residents is uh, setting up a plan across the entire district and really across the downtown, especially along the lakefront, along Mendota, um, because that, that does you know, take up a lot of like the second district and uh, there's a lot of historical property there. There's um, neighborhoods there that are, are at risk, I think, of, of being adulterated by some development projects that might, um, you know, be proposed in, in the near future. And I think that it's really important that we set up a plan and work with the community and get the neighborhoods involved to drop a vision for the second district and the rest of the city. That. Um, tells developers, you know, this is the kind of development that we find that appropriate for this area. This is the kind of development that is inappropriate. We really wanna keep the quiet neighborly atmosphere of our community and of the district, um, you know, for the next generation, the generation after that. And that's going to take a little bit of a fight. It's very unique that um, we have the kind of neighborhoods that we do so close to the downtown area. And um, I think that we need to prioritize that and we do not wanna lose that in the next 10 to 15 years
2: thank you Richard sure Um, well there's a number of issues three that I can identify one is the quality of the housing stock two is the development of the capital East district three is the bifurcation of the neighborhood with Johnson and Gorm Um, to kind of speak to those um, quality of the housing stock much of this neighborhood for many decades has been student rentals tied in with the university with the high-rises that have gone in in the last five to seven, ten years closer to campus, that's really emptied out the neighborhood. And there's a real question now of what happens to this housing, who's going to live there. Um, One thing that I worked very hard on was in conjunction with the Edgewater Hotel project going forward and having to redraw the lines for the TIF district, I included the James Madison Park neighborhood. Um, Those houses are very attractive In their price points for folks to come in, Um, and we have three hundred thousand dollars in small cap TIF for the next five years that goes towards homeowners um, that want to come in and live, um, and and be owners on site. And it's okay if it's a two unit or it was built as a three unit. Um, We have its the program set up that you can come in and you can live in one of the you know part of the building. You can rent out part of the building. and that you know that was one project um, that I took on to try to work on bringing this neighborhood up because it can either go up or it can go down right now. Um, one you know I was very concerned when I lived on the 600 block of Johnson Street with the quality of the housing that I was seeing across the street. Um, it was old um, property that had been owned by a gentleman with the last name of Kozak, who um, was you know one of the most notorious slum lords in the city. Um, it was uh, sold, and there was a development proposal that came through, and we now have City Row. It's uh, Section 42 housing, incredibly affordable, fits right in with the price points in the neighborhood, brand new. It's one of, um, f- forgive me, I think it's like the 16th or 17th most energy-efficient building in the country, is what um, I believe the, de- um, the folks behind the project ha- had talked about, um, which I thought was fantastic to have, Accessible housing. You know, I saw a young lady waiting for a ride to work, um, in you know, in a wheelchair. None of our housing in that neighborhood was built in a way that's really compatible for folks with with um, with, with needs. And um, we really have to look at the quality of the housing and wh- what we're going to do with it. There's a real need for reinvestment in the neighborhood. Um, you know especially when it comes to the businesses on the capital east uh... district and that's really the city's next forty year plan there's been substantial efforts going on um, to get that off the ground um, the sustainability center is moving forward they have federal money um, basically to go hire their architects and get it moving um, there's a lot of fantastic discussions and and points that have been worked on in the last two years and it's all ready to really pop um, so I'm, I'm very excited for that and you know the neighborhood is really defined by Johnson and Gorm, and um, tied in with the complete reconstructive Johnson Street in 2014 um, I've been having meetings with city staff and representatives from the neighborhood to look at what we can do Tied in with that reconstruct in 2014, not only to get Johnson and Gorham back to two-way and what the intersection at Baldwin Street would then have to look like, but also, um, to, um, but, but also to look at the CDA housing and really look at the potential for that block at Baldwin to redevelop that block as well. So, I think those are some of the points um, that, that face the neighborhood.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, It's now time for a one-minute closing statement from each of you, and we're going to start with Sam. It'll be one minute. Yeah,
1: I'll be be as brief as possible. basically, um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be running in this race if I didn't feel like there was some serious improvements that we can make in terms of, like, the representation um, on city council for the second district. The second district is um, a very unique district. It's not just, you know, the, uh, the edifices, the historical, like, you know, assets that we have in the district, but it's the people. We have a very active, very, you know, progressive and uh, community-minded population. And because of that, I think that it's very important that the representative on city council represent uh, and reflect the the nature of the community and um, that's that's one of the the main reasons that I'm running I think that like as long as the second district is doing well and we are preserving the assets that we have and developing in a smart intelligent and progressive way forward that the rest of the city is going to do well as well so um, that's why I'm running and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, helping out with that process whether I'm elected or not in, in April
2: Richard sure One minute. Sure. Well, um, I hope that uh, the voters on April 5th will choose to elect me back into office. I've had a very active first term. I want to continue to do this. Um, If you check out my website, BridgetForMadison.com, you'll see a list of neighbors, residents of the city, and elected officials that are supporting me, um, including uh, State Senator Mark Miller, State Senator Fred Risser, sheriff Dave Mahoney, um, a number of neighborhood residents, uh, former chancellor uh, John Wiley, um, and eight Alders. I've come a long way. It's been an active two years. I've worked very hard, um, and I feel like I've been a very effective leader that has brought a lot to my neighborhood. Um, in the past two years, and there's so much more that I I really want to work to bring into the neighborhood, and um, I hope that you'll choose to vote for me. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. I would like to thank our candidates for joining us, and I'd also like to thank the viewers and remind everyone that election day is Tuesday, April fifth. Please vote. If you would like more information about voting procedures or obtaining a copy of the League's Candidates' Answers publication, please call the League office at 232-9447 or visit our website. Again, I'm Lynn Klessig, and on behalf of the Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you for joining us.